Hey, we are in a series called Guardrails. I am loving this series. And the whole premise is that, and maybe you didn't even notice them until this series. Like, it's funny how many times now I'll go over rumble strips and someone in the car will be like, oh, guardrails, you know, like, but, but in our driving experience, whether you notice it or whether you don't, there's some really smart people out there that have engineered all sorts of things. You know, the white lines in the road, the yellow lines in the road, the rumble strips, the guardrails, those are all strategically predetermined and put into the road to help us to keep from driving into dangerous or off-limit areas. And aren't we grateful that they put those things into place? Because they keep us from a place of danger, that keep us from a place of damage or even death. In a similar way, God longs for his people to predetermine some standards in our lives, and maybe, maybe they're not the standards that everybody else around you has, but some standards that would keep you from damaging your relationships, that would keep you from going into dangerous places when, when it comes to maybe things like alcohol, or maybe when it comes to things like relationships, or sexuality, or, or whatever it would be that, hey, I'm just going to follow God's place of wisdom because I don't want to do damage to myself or damage to others. And so we've been talking about some key pivotal areas. Today I want to talk to you about placing some guardrails, and this is for everybody in the room. Maybe some of the other sermons you've been like, well, that doesn't apply to me, that doesn't apply to me. This one applies to every single person in the room. It's a guardrail that probably your mama or your grandma would wish that you had in your life. It's the guardrail of your mouth. The guardrail of your mouth. Because here's the truth of the matter, every single person in this room, and I wish this wasn't true, but it is so true, everybody in this room, everybody watching online or listening online, every single person has experienced emotional hurt from the words of another person. Isn't that true? Every single one of us, and I don't have to give examples because you automatically start thinking, there, there are words that today, I mean, 30 years after they were spoken over you, that still you find yourself battling and wrestling with these words. You're not good enough. You'll never measure up. How do you think that you could do that? Like, like these words that, that man, they're, they're so restrictive, right? They paralyze us. Here's the truth that maybe you don't want to think about, but it is equally true. And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but we have also, every single person in this room, we have damaged other people, at least emotionally, in the words that we have spoken to other people, maybe in a moment of impatience or a moment of anger or frustration or out of reaction to a situation. Isn't that true? I don't think there's anybody in this room that would say, I've never spoken words that I wish that I could take back. And we try to take them back, don't we? we oh, I was just joking with you. Can't you take a joke? I, I didn't really mean that. And yet the damage is done. You can't get the toothpaste back into the tube, right? And so we're going we're gonna to just talk about how, how do we handle that. And the, the first place that we want to go in Scripture is to the book of James. And James is going to be instructive. If you would, if in your own Bibles, would you turn to James chapter 3? And as you're turning to James chapter 3, this is a letter that was written by a guy named... Yeah, the Bible's very creative with the names of the books, okay? So, so you, you usually you got a pretty good shot, even though some books like Timothy weren't, weren't written by Timothy, and that messes the whole system up. But, but James is written by James, and well, who is James? James is actually the half-brother of Jesus. 
And this is, this is really interesting because James wasn't one of Jesus' disciples and he did not believe that Jesus was the son of God until after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and Jesus appeared to him after his resurrection and James became a believer. And, and this doesn't have anything to do with what we're gonna read, but I always think that this is interesting to think like, like this is a convincing proof that Jesus really is the son of God. Like what would it take for your brother to convince you that he is the son of God? A lot, is what I just heard there, right? So James, who wasn't a believer, after Jesus' resurrection, become, and that, to me, that's just a case for why I believe that this stuff is all true, but, but James has this to say, whether you believe in Christ, you believe he's the son of God or not, this is so instructive. And then James chapter three, by the way, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, so I just wanted to make that so clear. James chapter three, beginning with verse three, Three paragraphs that are so true, but they're also painful. No, here we go, verse three. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. It's like James, tell us what you really think, right? Like, what? He keeps going, that's not it. Verse seven, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. That's convicting, isn't it? That our mouths have the power to cause death and life. And again, I don't need to go into illustrations of this because you've all experienced it yourselves. And here's a sobering part of what James is saying here is that our mouths really are an indicator of what's going on inside of us. There's so much that hangs in the balance, especially when it comes to our closest relationships. That God, your heavenly father who loves you so much, he loves you and he loves your relationships. And so he wants to speak to us today about guardrails for our mouth, not because he's trying to condemn you and make you feel shame and make you feel guilt. He loves you and he wants something different for you. And so our memory verse today is gonna be, and we'll just tell you this from the very outset, is gonna be, did you all get a green card when you came in this morning? Pull out those green cards. From time to time here at Journey, we like to give you a memory verse. We give them to our kids. Uh, so we'll give them to adults. And this is a memory verse. If you've been around Journey long at all, this verse seems really familiar to you because I intentionally, about every two years, pull this verse back out. I think it's one of the most important verses in the Bible that you can memorize. 
Here it is. You all have it in front of you? We're going to read this together. Okay, so follow my lead. Here we go. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Psalm 141, 3. Okay, now that everybody knows what we're doing, because at first you're like, I, I, okay, we're doing this? Okay, now that you all know what we're doing, let's do it again. Everybody ready? Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Psalm 141, 3. Like I mentioned a moment ago, this is one of the most important verses that you can memorize. You say, Ken, why, why would I go to all that work? I'm not good at memorizing. I was never good at memorizing. Why, why is this something I should memorize? When I memorize verses like this, it gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity that in a moment where I'm about to make a colossal mistake with the words that I speak, in a moment where I may even potentially emotionally damage somebody with the words that I speak, that the Holy Spirit, because I've taken time to memorize this, can bring up to my mind, oh, no, 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 Ken. You want to set a guard over your mouth. You want to keep watch over the door of your lips. And there have been moments where, and it's not just spoken communication. Sometimes it's the things that we're typing into our phone. How many of you had a moment where the Holy Spirit shows you, hey, do not post that thing. Delete, 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 delete. I feel like, I feel like 75% of the posts that I, I'm about to, no, never mind. It's not worth it. Not doing it, right? It's just not worth it. So I want to share with you several things that have been helpful for me. And this first one is when it comes to guardrails, originally it was written in such a way, I believe it was J.C. Ryle back in the 1800s came up with this. And and it's biblical, and we're going to talk about why it's biblical. But he talks about four centuries that we should have. And by centuries, I mean like guards that you should have to guard your mouths. And this works great with our series on guardrails. So before I'm about to say something that's consequential, and I don't, I don't mean like, you know, you're going out afterward and before you order your food, like you should go through all, but when you're about to say something, we all know those moments where it's like, okay, this, what I'm about to say, this, this, this is big. That your, your words should pass by four different guardrails. The first guardrail that your words should pass by is the question, is it true? Is it true? Is what I'm about to speak right now, the words I'm about to speak, are these true? Or the words I'm about to type, do I know that these words are true? How many times have we spoken things and then you find out, man, that that wasn't even true. Am I just sharing this because somebody else told it to me? Do I really know that it's true? And not just because I saw it on Facebook. Do I know that the words that I'm about to speak, the words that I'm about to communicate, do I know that they are true? See, as Christ followers, we should follow the example of Jesus. And Jesus was completely honest in all of his dealings. No one had to wonder whether Jesus was speaking truth or not. He didn't didn't distort truths. He didn't give half-truths. Jesus was completely honest. And here, here's what we need, because people are watching us. People probably know, maybe they know, hopefully they know that you're a Christian. They're watching, they want to know, do you communicate things that are true? Or are you just communicating whatever you see around you? First question, before I'm about to say something consequential, I should ask the question, is it true? Would you say that with me? Is it true? Is it true? Here's a second guardrail. So if what I'm about to speak, I know that it's true. The second guardrail would be this question. Is it loving? Is it loving? You know, I can speak something that is true, 
and there not be any kind of love motivating what I'm about to say. And we've all experienced this, right? If our words do not pass the love test, then don't speak them. Now, now some, some people would push back to this and they would say, well, I guess that means I'm never going to be able to speak correction to another person. But here's the, here's the thing. Sometimes the most loving thing that I can do for somebody, somebody that I really love, is to keep them from doing something or saying something that's going to bring damage to their own lives or bring damage to their own relationships. Sometimes the best thing that I can communicate to somebody is something that's going to keep them from losing their job, right? And so there are times where it is necessary out of love to speak something that's going to be hard and difficult for that other person. But I need to check myself to make sure that my motivation really is a motivation of love and not a motivation of me propping myself up so I seem taller and bigger and more moral and all these things and to diminish them. This, this, this guardrail is really all about motivation. Why am I about to say what I'm about to say? Is this a motivation of love? And, and if I'm about to say something that could potentially be damaging and it's not born out of a motivation of love, I need to just keep my mouth shut. Right? I love what it, um, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse, verse 15, Paul admonishes us to speak the truth. Yes, speak the truth, but to do it in love. Jesus, twice in John chapter 1, Jesus is described as being full of truth, but also full of grace. So we speak truth, that's the first guardrail, but the second guardrail is, is it loving? So is it true? The second guardrail, is it loving? Would you say, is it loving with me? Is it loving? Is it true? Second, okay, it's true. Is it loving? Okay, maybe it's true and it's loving. The third guardrail would be this, is it necessary? Is it necessary? Sometimes there are things that we're about to communicate that are true and they are loving, but let's just be honest, they're not necessary. Sometimes it's nagging. Sometimes it's, I've already communicated this, this is all, or I know that it's already been communicated. I don't need, there's nothing additional that I need to say about the matter. Is it necessary? Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 12 says, words from a wise man's mouth are gracious, Here's the part that's daunting. But a fool is consumed by his own. A fool is consumed by his own lips. You know, often the difference between whether we perceive somebody to be intelligent or an airbag hinges on whether they are speaking words that are necessary or not. And in fact, Solomon says this in Proverbs 17, verse 28. Man, some of you, this needs to be like your life verse. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Yes or yes? Right? Like some of the best thing some of you could do is just, I'm just gonna, just gonna be quiet. And you will seem so much more intelligent in that moment. So guardrails, right? The first guardrail is, is it? True. Let's try it again. Is it? True. This, okay, maybe it's true. The second guardrail would be, is it? Loving. Is it what? Loving. Okay, okay, maybe it's true. Maybe it's loving. But the third guardrail would be, is it? Necessary. Is it what? Necessary. Okay, okay, maybe it's true and it's loving and it's necessary. But there's a fourth and final guardrail that it needs to pass by. Is it wise? 
is it wise? And wise has to do more with sometimes there are things that I need to communicate. It's true. It's loving. It is necessary. I do need to communicate it. Uh, wisdom has to do with the how I'm about to communicate this. The when, the where, the volume, the tone, the approach, right? Like sometimes there, there's, a, there's a unique way. Sometimes, I, no, you don't need to communicate this through a post on Instagram. Maybe, this, maybe it needs to be in a different approach, right? Like, I, 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 would it be better if these words were spoken in a different time, in a different setting? I think of, you know, the person, maybe your spouse has just gotten home from a 12-hour shift. And they've just, I mean, literally just gotten home. You, they're just exhausted beyond, uh, you know, and, and you're going to come in and try to correct them about something in your marriage? No, it, it, that could be true, and it could be loving, and it could be necessary. It's just, this, honey, this ain't the right time. It's just not the right time. Let's be wise in our approach. Let's be wise in how we communicate. And so here's a great thing. If you're a follower of Jesus in this room, as soon as you received the grace of Jesus, you asked Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, to be the master and leader of your life, you believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he was crucified and risen from the grave. As soon as you received his grace, you asked him to forgive you. In that moment, you received the Holy Spirit of God. And you know, throughout the day, you can talk to the Holy Spirit. I do this all, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in me and with me. Would you lead me? I'm about to have a conversation that is going to be rough. It's going to be tough. Holy Spirit, would you give me wisdom? Would you help me to keep my mouth shut when I need to have it shut? Would you help me to be a better listener than I normally am? Would you help me to lean in and to really hear what they're having to say? God, would you help me to say the right thing at the right moment? And listen, you start praying prayers like that, and the Holy Spirit will help you. We have a resource as followers of Jesus that the world doesn't have when it comes to this. And we need to rely on him. So before, before we close, because some of you are looking at your watches going, man, this is a really short sermon. I'm digging this sermon. I want, I want to end with three things that perhaps, probably not universally true for everybody in this room, but perhaps three things that your mama or your grandmother had to say regarding words. And the first one would be this. Mama always said, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Some of you are like, I, I need to say that to my mama. I need to say that to my grandma. Watch your mouth. But, but maybe some of you in this room, you had a mom, you had a grandma. Watch your mouth. What, what do we mean by that? I love Psalm 39, verse 1. Psalm 39, verse 1 said this. And if you're reading in your notes, I'm going to have you circle some words here, okay? So get your pen ready in your notes if you're following along. I said to, and here's the first word I would circle. I said to who? Myself. I said to myself. I didn't say to Aaron. I didn't say to, to Scott, I said to myself, I said to myself, so circle the word myself, I said to myself, I will watch what I do. Circle that word I. I will watch what I do in that sin in what I say. So circle that next I. I, I will not sin in what I say. I will hold my, circle that word, my tongue when the ungodly are around me. Here's the question. Whose job is it to watch my mouth? Mine. It's my job. It's your job. It's your job to watch your mouth. Mom always said, watch your mouth. It's your job to watch your mouth. I will watch what I do. I will hold my tongue. It's my responsibility. 
And so we can pray, and you can come to the altar, and you can sob, and you can, I mean, so much sobbing that you have to blow your nose and all that. And at the end of the day, most of the time, God, please change my mouth, and I'm saying destructive, hurtful things and all that. And you, you can pray that. 99% of the time, though, God isn't going to glue your mouth shut the next time you're about to say something hurtful. Don't you wish he would? I mean, maybe not for yourself, but for others. Don't you wish he would do that? He, he's not, why? Because the onus is on you and me to watch our mouths. We are responsible for what we say. We are given, here's the word, we are given responsibility in stewardship over the words that we speak. So how can we be more watchful? How can we be more aware? For some of you, if you mean business with this, one of the most practical things that you could do in addition to asking the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you is to talk to some people in your life and maybe one of the first things that you need to do is just apologize. Some of you, there's some relationships in your life where their jaws would drop if you just said, you know what, I have... I have said some very hurtful things to you. I know that they hurt you. I can't take them back. I am so sorry. And take the responsibility. Without, without any excuses, without, well, you know, daddy was really tired, and you know what you did was really, no, I'm sorry. I erupted in a way that I shouldn't have. Would you forgive me? And they don't have to forgive you. You don't have to force them to forgive you. You just offer that. For, would you forgive me? But you know, here, here's another key thing you can do to watch your mouth is, is ask some people to hold you accountable. You know, maybe to a spouse or maybe to a family member, maybe to a really close friend, maybe someone that you work next to every day. You just say, hey, I'm trying to watch my mouth. I'm trying to be careful. Maybe it's in a particular area of, of gossip or maybe it's in, I don't know, whatever it would be. And you just say, hey, would you, would you, when I say this, I don't even know that I'm doing it. Would you catch me and would you just remind me of what I'm doing in that moment? I had a friend in Bible college. So this is my undergraduate degree was in pastoral ministries and, and it was at a predominantly, uh, mostly Bible college at that point. And I had a friend who was, felt a calling to be a pastor and they had just gotten saved recently, grew up in a home that was like as pagan as you could, I mean, parents, grandparents did not follow Jesus. And so they got saved pretty quickly, felt a call to ministry. So here they are in ministry school and he swore like a sailor. I mean, it was effing this and effing that. And so he, he knows he's about to become a pastor. And he's like, I don't want to get up my first sermon. And like, would you turn to effing, uh, you know, like. And so he's like, like I, I reckon, probably, probably wouldn't bode well, right? Probably, probably wouldn't, uh, pr wouldn't last very long, right? And so he, I thought this was so smart, though. Like he had prayed. He had asked God to help him. And, and for some people, I've heard stories where God will like instantly like change your language. And that's awesome. But if you've been, if you've been born and raised in that and you've, that's all you've heard from the people around you, that's like hard stuff, right? And he's about to become a pastor. And so this was so smart. He asked several of us, he said, every time you catch me swearing, will you tell me and I'll give you a dollar? I was like, I am so on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm quitting my job and I'm just gonna follow you around and I'm gonna be so stinking wealthy, right? I'm telling it did not take him long. Some of you remember the old-fashioned swear jars, you know, that those things were around. I mean, may, maybe for you, it's just asking somebody that you love, someone who loves you, and, and you would just say, hey, would you hold me? I'm just, I'm not saying you need to change your language. You don't need to be the language police of where you work or in your family. Listen, this isn't about everybody else. This isn't about everybody else's guardrails. This is about my guardrail. 
And I'm going to watch what I say because I know that I'm a reflection of Jesus. So you don't need to go around telling everybody else about how they need to watch their language. How about you just, if this is a struggle for you, you just say, hey, I'm try, I'm, this isn't on you. This is something I'm trying to change. When, when you hear me doing this, would you, would you hold me accountable? Watch, watch your mouth is what mama would say. And that's your job. That's my job. We're accountable. We're responsible. Number two, mama always said, watch your diet. Watch your diet. <laughs> I don't know if I should say this. Uh, especially, this is a service that's recorded, so I probably shouldn't. But uh, Carrie's grandma uh, used to, she'd have this thing that she would say. It happened all the time, especially when we were out to eat or at like a 50-plus potluck. We'd be like... We'd be like eating or something, and, and she, she, had just, she just had this way, and she'd go, she'd look at what somebody else was eating, and she'd say, that can't be healthy. That, that can't be healthy. Watch your diet, right? Watch your diet. That, that can't be healthy. What you're digesting, what you're eating, that can't be healthy. See, much of what we grew up listening to and thinking about has polluted our hearts and our minds, and that's why we say what we say is because of what we've surrounded ourselves with. How can we possibly combat decades of thought pollution? I, I love this illustration, and... Uh, We'll put this up on the screen, uh, Andrew, if you can find that. There's a glass. We've got a bunch of blue dye in this glass. And just figured, hey, one way to get rid of the blue dye in the glass is to put it under a hose. And what you notice is it didn't happen instantly. But cumulatively, as the hose is just being poured out on this glass of water, what do you notice is happening? What's happening? It's clearing up. You're seeing less and less of the remnants of the blue as it is sitting under the flow of the thought. And eventually you get to the place where it's absolutely clear. I think this is such a great visual picture. Some of you, you just grown up in environments and, and you grew up with someone, you, know, you grew up with, with parents who just gossiped all the time, a family that just always, and gossip, by the way, is talking about somebody else when they're not in the room in a less than favorable light, right? Like, well, I heard, did you hear, right? I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we sin with our mouth. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you just came from an environment, and this, here's what you need to do. You need to place yourself under the flow of the Holy Spirit. You need to intentionally start putting the word of God in you, memorizing verses like this. You just start memorizing these things. You start changing what you think about. You just decide, I'm gonna think about things that please the Holy Spirit. Because that's what leads to life and peace. So I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna start putting myself under the flow of the Holy Spirit. And here's what will happen. It, it will begin to change what hap- my diet, what I feed on, what I think on, begins to change what I say. Romans 12, verse two, it, last week we looked at Romans 12, verse one, that says, you know, therefore, you know, based on God's mercies, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so we said, your body doesn't belong to yourself. Your body belongs to God. This week, the very next verse, Romans chapter 12, verse two, says this, do not... And this is for every follower of Jesus in this room. Do not conform any longer, which means you used to, but now you belong to Christ. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. This is is so important. I didn't even know you were back there, buddy. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) I'm like, are you guys hearing the same thing I'm hearing? Take me, Jesus. He's so good at that. Patrick's awesome. (laughs) 
We, we just allow God to marinate our minds with his truth. He says, he says uh, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Now, how can we be transformed? What's the rest of it say? By the renewing of your mind. It's putting myself under the faucet. It's just saying, Holy Spirit, I want your word. I'm going to prioritize reading your word. Maybe it's listening to your word. Some of you guys are like, I can't read the Bible. Maybe you need to listen to it. You'll find whatever works for you. And you just, you just I'm just going to, what am I doing? I'm, I'm, I know I used to be squeezed into a mold that was unhealthy and does damage and leads to death. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna now begin to renew my mind with the word of God and it brings about transformation. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here, here's the third thing. Mama always said, how are you really doing? How are you really doing? See, ultimately, everything that I've been talking about today, you know, we've been talking about our mouth and our lips and our words, but really all of this comes from my heart. And so the question I would ask you, how are you really doing? How's your heart? It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. How's your heart? Can I just push you a little bit? How's your heart? Is there any anger in your heart? See, if I'm walking around with anger in my heart, guess what? Anger is going to come out of my mouth. Are you jealous of anybody? Is there any jealousy in your heart? It's interesting, when there's jealousy in my heart, my mouth speaks. My mouth speaks. I'm gotta make, I've got to puff myself up and make myself look better. Is there any pride in your heart? How's your heart? Any unforgiveness in your heart? How's your heart? Because how are you really doing? Because out of your heart, the mouth speaks. I saw this illustration recently, I think it was on Facebook, and, and the illustration goes something like this, you know, if I'm, if I'm standing, I'm, I'm holding my cup of coffee, and Pastor Aaron, because this is something Pastor Aaron would do, he comes up and he bumps into me, and, and Deanna over here asked me a question, she say, Ken, why'd you spill your coffee? Because that's something that Deanna would ask. My answer would be, because Pastor Aaron bumped into me, I spilled coffee. But you know, that's not actually the correct answer to the question. The reason why I spilled coffee is because that's what was in the mug. See, if I would have had tea in the mug, I would have spilled... If I would have had hot cocoa in the mug, I would have spilled... If I had water in the mug, I'd spill... Right? What, what, is, in, what is in your heart? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How are you really doing? How's your heart? What's in your heart? See, we, we spend so much time blaming other people. Well, if he wouldn't have done that, if she wouldn't have done that, if, if, he, would, if, if he would have done this, if, if, they would, if my kids would have remembered to buy me flowers at stinging Mother's Day, all the other ladies in the church have flowers. Like, no, 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 how's your heart? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart? Because when you get jostled, and can I just tell you in life, you will get jostled. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Things will happen. People will bump into you. What's going to come out? 
What's in your heart? How's your heart? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. In a message like this, it would be easy to leave and, and just go, well, I guess I'm not a good Christian. I guess, I, I guess I'm, you know, I, I swear too much. I, I've got too many issues with the mouths. Listen, we, we all have some issue with our mouths, with our words. I, I, I don't want you to leave here feeling condemned because that's not God's desire for you either. My question would be, instead of leaving condemned, how about we just go, God, this is an area where I need to grow. And so I'm going to confess some stuff to you, God. I'm going to be honest with you, oh God. I'm going to receive your forgiveness. And I'm going to ask you for the empowerment of your spirit and your spirit of wisdom so that I can move in a different way, speak in a different way, live in a different way. So where you're standing, we're just going to take a moment while Patrick's playing behind me. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I, and I do that because I'm just distracted. It's hard for me, especially when I'm in a group. I'm too focused on, is this guy more bald than he was last week? I, seems like it. Like That's how my brain works when I'm with a group of people. That's why I could never sit in the back of the room on a Sunday morning. I wouldn't get anything out of the sermon. So would you just close your eyes for a moment? First of all, I want to ask you the question, how's your heart? Is there anything you need to confess? Anything you need to talk to Jesus about? He already knows your heart. He's not aghast. He's not going, oh my gosh, really? He knows it. So maybe just as a whisper right now, maybe even silently, you just need a prayer. Just pray a prayer, God, you see this. Change my heart, oh God. I'm just going to invite you right now just to confess. Just silently, right where you're standing, is there something you need to confess to the Lord? Next, let's ask him to empower us. God, we receive your forgiveness. We thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercies, your faithfulness. It's new every single morning. Now we just ask you to empower us. Holy Spirit, bring back to our memory this week, today, God. We're about to say something that isn't true. It's not loving. It's not necessary. It's not wise, God. Would you convict us? Holy Spirit, we give you permission. Convict us. Empower us. Help us to walk in your victory. Help us to reflect you to the people around us. That when everybody else is saying the same things they've always said, the things that this world says, God, that there would be something different by how we speak and what we speak, how we communicate, what we post, what we talk about, our conversations. We would be different. All of this for the glory of God. Because Jesus, we believe that you are the Son of God, crucified, risen, ascended, and exalted.
you be glorified. Not just in our Sunday morning praise, but in our Monday afternoon working. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.